Welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. Today is a special day, and Nathan will tell you why. Oh no. Uh, did you know that today, uh, two years ago today, actually, I was in Iceland driving around with my friend? So it is a special day. Um, come to think of it, my phone let me know that earlier. So thank you, phone. And uh, that means that in about a week from now, two years ago, I was in Switzerland, which was my favorite trip ever. So what a special day it is. You're right. It is. I'm so I... glad that you let me know that was the prompt going in. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, I totally thought it would catch you off guard, but good, good improvisation there. Nailed it. Uh... I'm getting good at this thing. 41 episodes in. <laughs> Just uh, just a few more, but uh, 59 to go, and then you'll be so good. That's what they say, yeah. When you get to 100, that's when you've made it in podcasting. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's in- interesting. Is there anything else that's cool, fun, or interesting? This Funny... Week? You should ask, because as part of the first segment of the show, mm-hmm. where we talk about cool, interesting, and frustrating <laughs> things, I have some. So I've been following Tim Minchin for like a decade and a half. And so I was aware that he had played Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, but I'd never actually watched any of it. And I was searching up for some old Tim Minchin songs to play yesterday while I was working. And one of the recommended videos, or I shouldn't say recommended, one of the auto-played videos while I was writing my code that just played in the background was a clip from Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was excellent. So the last two days, I've been consuming a ridiculous amount of the same handful of songs from that performance. So yeah, I'm actually gonna, gonna have a few things like that related over the next week or two. Uh, so if you like live theater songs or Tim Minchin, uh, there you go. You'll get more of that in the future. An interesting thing, I actually sent this to you as well, was the text-to-code generator. So I, w- I, I don't know why. I was reading studies that people had done on code generation, um, just trying to see sort of what was out there and if people were making progress. Turns out people are doing somewhat okay with unit test generation, where they take code bases and generate unit tests. But I'm like, that kind of puts like the cart before the horse. That's the opposite of what I want. I want to know if the unit tests are right. And then if you can generate code from that, that would be great, because I would know what I said the code should do. I, I don't really see why I would want to generate unit tests, but hey, that's what people are into apparently. But I came across this thing that was a text-to-code generator where you could say, do this particular thing, and then it would try to generate code that did that. So it took a, a, at least 10 tries for me to get one that was even parsable Python, but it always had the idea. Um, some of them were fun, where it was like, add all the numbers from one to 10, and it was just like, sum range 10. And you're like, you were close, you're off, you're off by 10, uh, but you tried. And so those were fun. But the one I finally got to work was remove all nuns from list and then I had a collection of numbers and some nuns sprinkled in. And it just ended up doing a little uh, list comprehension that was like 
x for x in x or in that list uh, if x is not none. And I was like, all right, cool. You you did the thing. Uh, it, it can be it can be parsed. It can be run. And so I'll link that in the show notes because it is fun to play with, even though it is fairly quaint. Uh, the fact that it worked at all was kind of cool. I This is a cool thing. I Just to touch base on something that we talked about last week, which was all about dopamine and stuff, I implemented some of those things and felt really good last week. So just generally speaking, I had a like a more optimistic, more highly motivated experience of the last three or four days. Uh, and so a lot of that is certainly going to be reasonably good weather. There's some sunshine. Uh, there was um, some forced time off from the gym, which meant that I really enjoyed the gym when I was there. And I slept pretty well. Saw some people, but I also had days to myself. So it was like a good mix of stuff. But still, I'm counting it as a as a cool little win, um, even though it wasn't necessarily all uh, related to intentional changes. And finally, I came across this podcast called the Access Control Podcast, and I listened to an episode of it uh, with this guy named Mario. I forget his last name, but he was talking about SRE because that's what he works as. And I think the company is called Carta. But he works there and it's something to do with finance. But he talked a lot about security and that was like the topic of the podcast. But then he kept going on, these were the interesting parts to me, really interesting uh, tangents about the communication requirements between devs and ops and how for he, the example I remember off the top of my head was he's talking about permissions and he's like, we have to approach it not so that we're saying we're not giving you permission as a developer because we don't trust you. We have to approach it in a different way. And he's talking about how you can have a, a healthy culture around protecting things that need to be protected, um, giving people the information to do their job well. And one of the interesting examples he gave as well was like, people seem to have this idea inside of companies that you need to restrict, like give the, give the devs the smallest amount of compute possible, otherwise they'll just spend it all. And he's like, if you just show them that their experiment is costing way more than they think it's costing, they're usually not interested in wasting the company's money and they will make sure that they're not running it when they don't need to, they're using smaller um, compute. And he really was just talking about visibility of the things that matter to developers and that matter to, for example, operations and bridging that gap. So. The proposed topic of security was somewhat there, but his tangents were what made the episode really interesting. And I listened to the first four or five minutes and thought, oh, I'm probably not going to make it through this. And then he went on a tangent and the remainder of the hour or so, I just binged the whole thing while doing some stretching. So highly recommend and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Two wholesome things, actually just one wholesome thing now, because it, uh, it just so happens that I had a wholesome thing, which was two years ago today, I was in Iceland and <laughs> I had to use that um, to keep the show moving. But a my wholesome recommendation, this is an older thing I came across, but there's a channel called Jerry Rig Everything on YouTube. And a while ago, he built a thing called, that he called Naga Wheelchair. And it was essentially if you made like a wheelchair, if you were gonna take a wheelchair out on the track, for some racing, 
that's kind of what he made. Uh, and he gave it at least temporarily to another YouTuber called Good Times with, Good Times with Scar. And this guy is has some sort of disability. I don't know the details, but he's not able to walk. So he spends all his time in a wheelchair. And with COVID and everything, him being immunocompromised, he didn't really leave his house or do much of anything uh, for a very long time. And then he got Jerry Rig Everything's Not a Wheelchair and he made a video about it where he's just out there. He, he, go, drive, he gets in this wheelchair and drives to a hill and sits on a park bench. And it just like makes his whole day. He's so happy about it. And it's the definition of wholesome because this guy's just like, I've been, I haven't been able to do anything and he's just so happy. So that's my wholesome recommendation. It's hard to beat that unwholesomeness. Uh, and that's, that's the one. What about you, Mr. Well, I am just not going to have any wholesome recommendations because I, nothing can top that unless like that man does the exact same thing, but he has a dog with him that <laughs> loves him. Um, he, he has a cat. He has a cat named Jelly. Oh, that's okay. Damn. Yeah. Fire in all cylinders. I, I, I can't even <laughs> compete there. So what I'm going to do instead is think about how I can use your code generator thing and mm -hmm. maybe like go in and input, be like, build AWS and then see like what it spits out. Can I do that? Like, can I give it abstract ideas and have built out million dollar companies? Yeah, I'm sure that's why this is sitting in an experimental <laughs> website <laughs> with with the port directly tagged to the end. Yeah. 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 No, I, I but it, it might be, you know, there was this like really stupid but funny and sad meme that I saw, which was like <laughs> this um, this PhD person who's done all of this research to like develop this really complex algorithm gets paid like 30 grand a year the software developer using that algorithm gets paid 200 grand a year. And Absolutely. then the CEO who hired that software developer is making millions <laughs> <laughs> by building a company around that single algorithm. Yes. Um, so for all I know, this little tool might be, you know, worth millions. I just need to make sure the people who did it don't get anything out of it. Right. Yeah. You can study Elasticsearch for some good strats on how to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta separate the workers from the means of production. Ah, uh, classic. Classic. Um, but a cool thing, uh, which I'm sure is cool for me, but not wasn't for Facebook, was when they went down yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by the time it comes out, it'll be a week. Um, but it was really cool because I had truly believed it was a DNS issue, uh, but it turned out to be a BGP issue, uh, which again, I re read up a little bit more on and thought they were Would really cool. Me? So since this is a tech podcast, I can talk about it and nerd about it because literally no one else I can talk to about it. Great. Yeah. Tell me. Um, so BGP is the Boardwork Great Gateway Protocol. So th this protocol is implemented by routers. So anytime a packet comes to a certain router, the router says, and all of this happens dynamically. Some of it is like short-lived caches, but for the most part, every router has amount of paths calculated of how, how much work or how many paths it'll take to get to the destination server. So for some of them, it might be a couple ISP hops. Some of them might have a direct connection to facebook.com's main 
uh, load balancers, some of them might be like, we have to go through these three different proxies before we hit it. And then based on that and how much traffic is coming in, routers can make this smart, intelligent decision of, oh, okay, take that path, take that path, or the same packet doesn't have to travel through the same path twice, um, which is really cool. Uh, but what happened uh, on the whole Facebook uh, fiasco was somebody, uh, some people tried to change the border grid with protocol settings. And since everything's done through cloud now, you can do that. They can change that on the router. And this is all from what I've read and researched. It may not be what's actually true because Facebook has not released an official postmortem detailing the actual tech incidents yet. Um, but they have confirmed it was a BGP issue. And then after I read and figured out other people, uh, this is what I learned. So what happened is some, due to some router configuration, the router stopped telling, uh, stopped, they basically drop off the face of the internet. Facebook.com took out its complete BGP routes. So none of the routers out there could calculate how far is facebook.com. So none of the routers knew where to send the packet. Um, and there was this like neat little DNS um, BGP map I saw where it was, Facebook has this amazing thing where like most routers and most edge networks can connect directly to it. So there was like this network of like 100 routers or whatever, all having a direct arrow into facebook.com. And then as it started to drop off, those arrows started going in like little circles where Router one was like, oh, I can't talk to it directly. Can I can I talk through you, router two? And then router two, who hasn't figured out yet that the BGP is out of cache, <laughs> is like, sure, yeah, send me your packet. And then slowly, 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 all of those maps died. Um, and it was hilarious because people who work there uh, are locked out of the offices because none of their key cards work anymore because none of the servers are reachable. Uh, and apparently they had to like bring in one of those edge cutters to like break into the server room uh, to go phys like manually change the configurations, uh, which is just hilarious because none of the people who work at the data center are going to be the ones changing all those configurations. Their job is to maintain the hardware. Uh, so people who can do it don't live on site. So they had to come in, do that. And the security had to like sort of basically break in into their own site. Uh, and it was just the most hilarious thing I just That's read. remarkable. That'd be yeah. like leaving your keys in your car and then remotely locking your car mm -hmm. and then being like, oh, this yeah. is a problem. I can't <laughs> unlock it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just loved it. Uh, I can't imagine the impact. Like, Imagine all of those software developers who can't connect to their VPN, who are all working from home, can't work anymore because nothing resolves. Mm -hmm. uh, that poor intern probably panicking because they pushed some code change and now a site is down and they don't have enough context. Yeah. So, so they just think they broke something. Yeah, they, they, they upgraded a React package. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and since Facebook, WhatsApp, and Messenger is down, I don't know what they use internally for communication, but I'm going to assume one of their own tools. Uh, unless it's Slack or something, then maybe they're fine, but it's probably something they self-host and they probably weren't able to talk to each other. Um, the, the big lesson I learned from yesterday was uh, I am super not plugged into the Facebook ecosystem because I didn't know anything about it. 
uh, and I learned about it today on in stand-up when somebody said, you know what's funny about Facebook going down? And I was like, oh, apparently that happened. So that was uh, good, reassuring. <laughs> no, I was very much plugged in because I was supposed to meet someone yesterday and my WhatsApp message wasn't getting delivered to them. Mm. So I figured either their phone is dead or they've blocked me, which was weird because they're a close friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, maybe their phone's dead until they texted me and be like, hey, just confirming if we're like, still doing that thing. Um, and apparently WhatsApp is down. And I was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, imagine the amount of money lost there, the amount of money they lost in ad revenue and people browsing the site, uh, the amount of productivity that probably got impacted. Uh, negatively for them, positively for everybody else who actually has jobs and, and not <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> um, and the amount of traffic Twitter, Reddit, TikTok must have gotten, that would have been insane because they need their dopamine hit somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just like, just looking at all of that um, just was crazy uh, and very hilarious because uh, I can't imagine just like, them like trying to swipe their card me like oh oh this isn't working and then they're like well nothing's gonna work we have to physically drill through our own <laughs> facility <laughs> that's my favorite result that could possibly happen yeah let's that's just break into so our good. own data center because because <laughs> oh, people man. inside probably unless there's a manual open open thing are probably not able to open it and most data centers keep their computers locked behind a thing. Uh, so even if you can get in the data center room, get actual access is probably still behind a locked screen. Uh, so yeah, it was just uh, sort of sad and hilarious. Um, no, that's so fun. That's way better than I expected. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, ev everybody, their employees, no one can access it because they completely just took them themselves offline. And that's the price you pay when you start hosting your own internet, basically, mm. right? They have their own everything. They don't rely on AWS or somebody else to route their network. Um, so it's also like hilarious. I, I'm like really looking forward to like a postmortem thing on what they're going to implement. So remote configurations don't happen again. And it also sounds like an amazing um, sort of like business opportunity for like any company that specializes in networking stuff to go pitch it to different enterprises and capitalize on the fear of mm -hmm. is your company BGP ready? Can we fix that for you? Can we add some something and make some money off this? Right. Um, <laughs> so that would be cool to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, nobody deals with routers. Nobody except few poor network engineers and I'm sh I don't know if they all got like a pat on the back for getting it up in whatever time they could or like just a bunch of swear words because Facebook was down for like eight hours uh, yeah anyways enough about that I'm sure we can do a whole episode on that when the when a postmortem comes out because I would love to get into that <laughs> sure uh, <laughs> yeah it sounds like you would yeah networking is cool man uh, and it's really hard and it's all black magic and it's attacked by <laughs> shark all the time, but it's, it's how you and I can talk to each other while sitting so far away. It's true. Yeah. Uh, 
And then the other cool thing is I used a lot more sed today. Uh, so sed's like this little Linux command line utility that helps you do some text magic. Um, and every time I do something cool with like one of these weird tools that I would never use, I feel superior than oh, my good. fellow human beings. Uh, <laughs> so I felt pretty good today. Have you ever considered Vim? Would you like to talk about our Lord and Savior? No. Uh, All right, fair enough. That's I the tried. devil. That's no. the cult. I don't want to join it. All right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and wanted to give a little shout out to CloudFormation because I had to create a whole bunch of things today and it would have been a pain in the ass to either write different AWS CLI commands or go through the UI. It was just easier to write a giant JSON file and have it hook up to each other. Um, but debugging it is annoying and I hate it. But once you have a CloudFormation template working, then life is good. Um, yeah. So yeah. And you can test it locally too. You can validate the syntax, but that's that's all you can do in the designer. Um, ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the process for having this tool working is annoying, but the tool itself is cool. Uh, yeah. And then I have a sad one to share which is sort of frustrating, but sad. Uh, I've been playing the first Mass Effect game, um, and I did not realize actions have consequences. Because <laughs> I just thought you go through dialogues, you figure stories out, you do your mission, you shoot things. Um, but apparently your decisions have impacts and your crew members can die. Um, and I was just real sad because the, the prompts have like no buildup or there's no like buildup music. Nothing tells you that something bad will happen if you don't pick the right prompt. There's no not even like something different on the prompt chooser. It's just, oh, choose this thing. And then you do. And next thing you know, this team member you liked is dead. Or this choice you made, which you didn't even know you were making, they're dead. It's like um, life. Just like life. Just life, yeah. It's correct. Um, yeah, so it was sad, just like life. Mm, Speaking quite. of other things in life that make you sad, money. Oh, money, that thing I like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard it buys you happiness, uh, but it also brings a lot of sadness with it. Apparently, yeah. I didn't really want to talk about that. I just wanted to talk about the software <laughs> that we use to automate and manage our personal finances. Because well, yeah. apparently you don't use any, but I use a lot. So that's why I proposed mm. this as a topic. And, you know, 48 hours into this podcast, we should probably talk about it. Why, why don't you lead us off? Sure. So uh, starting off with the main online, at least online first bank that I use is Tangerine. So I switched from primarily using RBC a few years ago, I guess, three or so years ago now, because I made one of my goals when I was like, I need to get my finances together, because they really weren't. I was like, where can I start? Well, I can start by not paying for my day-to-day -day banking, because that's dumb. And so I went from RBC, where I was paying for a bunch of crap, to Tangerine. And I don't use the this automation thing in Tangerine that exists, because I have another piece of software that does this. But Tangerine has built in money rules, which are pretty cool. And so you can do things like anytime this account gets over this amount, move the amount above that into savings. 
and you can do that right inside of Tangerine, which is kind of nice. It's the sort of thing that you would normally check yourself once a month, or if you have a separate service, it might automatically check and then overflow into that account. But the fact that Tangerine can do that is cool. And so actually one thing I do have is I have a small amount of weekly savings that go in. And I currently, based on my, uh, my existing financial rules, <laughs> I have that as like my disposable income account. And I use that kind of like a, a balance. So I can see even if I go over, then I just track it. And then when I want to start knocking things out of my uh, overdraft of sorts um, from my list of things I've spent money on that I wasn't planning to, then I can take it out of that disposable income account. But yeah, there's lots of just little automation things built into a simple, primarily online banking service. So uh, I'd say if you're not, if you're looking for somewhere to start and you haven't even looked at those things, they can be great. So it's a bit, <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a different style of discussion because it's mostly about things to do with software versus software itself. But that's where I'm starting. Do you have anything else or should I keep going? Uh, no, I, I do have a question though. I, I thought any of the online only banks in Canada require you to still have a primary account with one of the established banks. Yep. So do you, do you still have a RBC account? Yep. Yeah. So I still have an RBC account. I have a personal line of credit there that I don't use because they just gave it to me. But my longest credit history is at RBC. So I kept that credit card open. It pays my Spotify, I think. It pays something that's slightly over $10 a month, every month. Uh, and that's because $10 is the minimum. And so I wanted to make sure I was always paying at least the automatic minimum uh, for that. And so yeah, it pays that off automatically, which is, I guess, another automation thing. My Tangerine automatically does bill pay. So I pay off my RBC, and then once a month I check to make sure it actually got paid. And yeah, I just have a small amount sitting in my RBC checking. Uh, RBC also has it built in where you can say, like, alert me anytime that transactions go through. So it's not necessarily automated, but it does let you know. So I'll get a little push notification that says, bill or this transaction occurred, which is usually my credit card was paid off. And I can go, oh, cool, it was paid. Nice. And keeps me informed on what's going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do have, I think, I don't know if you actually need a second bank for Tangerine specifically. I know you do for EQ, which I also have, um, but that one's purely online only. Whereas yeah. Tangerine, I signed up for it initially at a little stand in a mall and then they closed it. <laughs> so there's no longer a physical location, uh, at least near me that I'm aware of. Uh, but at one time there was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure pretty sure it's tangerine that you can go and track with through scotia bank uh tellers and stuff mm. um but yeah I, that was that was curious because i at one point wanted to just be full online only um but now so much of my life is tied to td that i sort of don't want to get away from it and i don't have a strong enough reason to um but that also means i have to like keep uh decent amount sitting in my checking so they don't charge me money for anything right. but they also have the best looking credit card on the market so i <laughs> sort of just stay with them because i like my credit card pretty speaking of which yeah my my janky wealth simple card appeared mm. in the mail the other day isn't it great 
Oh, it's it honestly I wouldn't even feel bad about it except that they advertised it as being so good and then they let everybody down. Yeah. The glitter on it so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um but yeah, no nothing on that and much. I would mention like t t I do use most of the tools on my TD. Um so like of course really great for in track stuff. Um I do like their phone app uh, can pretty much do most things the fonts big because I'm old and I like seeing things not too small uh, <laughs> and all the money is right there every time you want to look at anything and then TD app has this really cool feature I don't know if other banks do uh, but it has a quick drawer so you can just say that anytime I pop open this quick drawer just show me the current balance of my account uh, and you can choose your credit card, your checking, savings, or whatever. So at any point, if I'm like, oh, did that transaction happen or something, I don't actually have to go log in into my bank, look at the whole thing. I can just look at the quick drawer and be like, okay, so my account is like $2,000 less than it was yesterday. My rent must have come off. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I can go do detailed checkings later, but it's cool to see those things. And then TD has a MySpend app which does the exact same thing you mentioned of anytime there's a transaction happening, it pings me. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not ping me if money goes back into the account. It only pings me when money comes out of it. Uh, and that's how it also does its calculation, which then sometimes it'll be, it'll, when I go for my, I don't know, physiotherapy or something, and they sometimes just like accidentally charge my card instead of doing my insurance first. So they send me back a refund. And so then the app next day is like, Hey, you had a category spike yesterday. It seems like you spent two hundred dollars on your massage. <laughs> like, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, so that's a little annoying. Uh, but yeah. this is one I forgot about, but it just reminded me. It's why I stopped using Mint for anything, because mm -hmm. it was just so wrong about everything. Because uh, it can't tell the difference. It's just like, yeah, money came out, so therefore you spent more money than went in. And I'm like, that's not. That's not what happened. But I would look at my its summary of what it thought happened, and I was like, if this were true, I'd be bleeding money every month. This is not not correct at all because it can't tell like money that moved into another bank account, money that moved between accounts at the same bank, money that moved into investments in another account. So it just thinks that even if I transferred from like checking to savings, it's like, oh, you you spent money there. I'm like, I didn't spend it. I put it in my savings in the same bank. Like, it's still my Tangerine account. So it had all these problems, so I just stopped using it. But that was, for a while, something I tried to use for tracking. And I guess not really automation, but for tracking. And I just decided it was not worth it because it didn't work Didn't work with the way I use my, my accounts. Uh, one thing I will say, though, with respect to apps, uh, using biometrics on the apps is super nice and... Unless I need to do something very in-depth, I don't use the web interface very often because then it like prompts me for a pin and a password and all these different things. Whereas on my phone, I just be like, yeah, that's that's my finger. And that goes, cool. Uh, thanks for letting us know that it's you. And now here's your current balances. And I go, thank you. Yeah, I like that EQ does that, uh, but I also like that TD does not. Because TD is like my main source of attack for anything that could go wrong. <laughs> All of my other accounts, besides my investment brokerage ones, 
um, don't have a lot of money in them. So if they do get compromised, mm -hmm. uh, even though my EQ bank does have 2FA, so when I do log in through browser, it has to ask for the passcode and stuff. Uh, but I like even on my phone, the moment you try to open anything on a TD app, it's like enter your password. It doesn't even have an option for t t fingerprint. It's just you have to enter it. I'm not going to let you in. Uh, and then at that point, it's sort of stupid because I can use my fingerprint on my last pass. Uh, and that has all my passwords. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know. It's some because I'm sure anybody, if someone's quickly looking through, um, for some reason, I was hanging out with somebody who I didn't trust and they were going for my bank account app for some reason. Yes, uh, they have somehow unlocked your phone. Yeah, yeah. They can't do that. They can't get into the whole, maybe they have my finger, you know, uh, and they, but they don't know about LastPass. So they can't get into my account. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, now they do because they're collecting information and listening to everything you say. That's true. Um or did they? No. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I don't have any of the bill payment going out. All of my bill payment is externally driven. So all of the companies have my credit card information and they just charge it directly. Um, mm. And uh, yeah. And then I manually will allocate off. Okay. Given this paycheck and given how much money I've spent this month on my credit card, I have this much overhead money. Should I put it towards stonks? crypto or throw it in a managed RSP account, then I make that call. Uh, so it's not fully automated, um, but I do have some sort of a process there of, okay, this paycheck, I can throw money at this thing. And then I do that. Because uh, most of the times my credit card will have a big purchase because I'm impulsive at times and I am a sad person. So I will just buy something big and like oh yeah oh yeah i owe two thousand dollars for my last cycle so i should pay that off first um but yeah that's that's mostly how i do my banking i have like a couple of normal day-to-day -day accounts um and then yeah then i have my investment ones that i just basically throw money at and my stocks keep going down <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. That's what they're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so I have a bunch of other stuff. So mm -hmm. the main thing you just mentioned investments, I use Wealthsimple. And so I have that as my, I, it's hard to even say primary. It's pretty much my only investment strategy at this point. And for those who don't know, Wealthsimple is a robo-advisor with whom I did interview last year and did not get a job but I interviewed and they, uh, their whole thing is largely about like, or I guess the whole robo advisor thing, it's about mixing automation with some level of human interactivity. And so they've made a bunch of their own ETFs and, and whatnot. And, uh, I essentially throw money at that account so that it, to me, it is a separate thing that I'm not allowed to take money out of. It's much easier for me to think if I if they're in control of it, I'm not in control of it, so it's not my decision to take money back out, which is good because then I can't try to be all smart and try to time the market and dumb stuff like that. I'm just like, eh, dollar cost average, freaking throw money in and just let it do its thing. And as far as uh, throwing money in goes, they have two 
really great automation features. I actually have more, but I really only use two of them. Uh, one of them I already referred to earlier, which is overflow. So you can say, I, I don't know if you pick the date as well. If, if everybody's is on the 18th, you don't pick the date. Otherwise I picked the 18th and uh, each month you can say, if my, if this account is over this amount, then overflow everything above that or up to a maximum uh, into whatever account you want in Wealthsimple. So you could say like anything over 4,000 up to an extra 1,500 overflow that in. So then if it was two grand extra, like it was 6,000, it would overflow 1,500 and you'd be left with 4,500. That sort of thing. Or you can just say mac no maximum, just take it all. 200K in your account, it'll take 196,000 and throw it in. Uh, and so that's really good for accounts that don't have limits or limits that you're not going to hit anytime soon. Uh, if you're going to hit limits, don't do that with registered accounts. That would be a bad idea. I also have auto deposits set up. So you can set something up that's just ongoing where you can say, um, you know, every week, every two weeks, every month, contribute this amount. And having that set up is really great. Again, if you're able to do it for the foreseeable future without hitting any... Um, limits. I manually went in for the remainder of the year of uh, this past weekend and set up all of my deposits weekly to on the very last week of the year, hit my financial target for 2021. Um, so I've got that already taken care of. I don't have to worry about it. All I have to do is make sure I have enough money in my checking account every week to take that amount over and uh, invest it. So those are great because they're things I don't really have to think about. Um, I essentially have tried to automate as many of the things that I can to limit the amount of pointless stuff I think about. And if I want to think about anything larger, it'll be actually something I get to later, but like real things that matter as opposed to, did I remember to contribute money this week? I don't want to think about that. I just want it taken care of. Well, simple auto deposits. I guess another thing that has auto contributions, I've done a little tiny bit of uh, private lending through Lending Loop. So if you're listening from Canada, we have a website called Lending Loop. If you're listening in the States, um, oh, I've forgotten what the name of it is, but if you search for peer-to-peer -peer lending or private lending, something like that, in, and there's a very big US company and then the Canadian version is Lending Loop. But they have automated reinvesting of uh, amounts paid back. So if you put some money in, you get like 25 cents back. Uh, it lets that pile up and then the minimum you're allowed to reinvest at a time is $25. So once that you're available, a cash gets to 25. If there's something in the marketplace that fits your profile of things you're allowed, you're, you've said, yes, I'll automatically invest in these then it'll just automatically take that for you and reinvest it. Over the last year, when businesses were just dying and nobody was taking out loans, uh, my account just built up a few hundred dollars and I was like, well, I guess I'll take this out. And now I guess people want money again because they're back to getting loans. So I'm keeping an eye on that to see if it keeps immediately funding loans as soon as it hits 25. And if it does, I'll start putting money back in. But for now, I have not. And that brings me to automated contributions, which they also have for Lending Loop. So you could say every, I think the minimum, at least at the last I checked was 200. 
So you have to say like every month or every week or whatever you want, contribute 200. And uh, I think for a time at least they lowered it to 50. I don't know if that stayed. Maybe it was a bug. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can, you can just have it automatically deposit some money in and then it'll be invested with a profile, which I guess is also kind of management and automation where you can say, uh, I want to automatically invest this amount into loans of this grade. So you can say like A, B, C, or you could say like, I want only ones that are like C, D, and E so that you're getting higher percentages, but a higher chance of defaulting, for example. So uh, it's cool. It's, it's a fun thing. I wouldn't throw all my money in there and I certainly have not, but it's still interesting. Um, do you want to jump in before I go into my final piece of software? Uh... No, I mean, yeah, like I'll, since I do more of the brokerage stuff, mm -hmm. uh, I'll mention some softwares there. Uh, definitely, uh, the, the biggest thing I've seen is the whatever accounts banks offer are all ripoffs. Um, when I was starting to invest, I signed up for TD Mutual Funds because I was like, I just want my money not in a savings account. Uh, invest it somewhere, please. Uh, and they seem to have decent... Um, gain returns over long term because mutual funds are basically just ETFs of different kinds uh, with higher management fees, but whatever. But when you do it with your banks, they're cheaper because they have their own portfolios or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I have a little TFSA savings account and then I have a TFSA mutual funds where I think every month, uh, $100 just goes into it from my TFSA savings to mutual funds. Uh, so it's like just a side thing that happens throughout the year. Uh, I don't look at it much. Uh, I just started it and I use it as my rainy day fund because TFSA, uh, the mutual fund money settles immediately. So if I was in a problem, I'd sell it and then take money out of my TFSA savings account. And since it's connected to my primary bank account, it would be a fast transaction of getting everything liquidated, sent to my checking account and use it for whatever, I don't know, whatever new flavor of kombucha I run into buy, and that's why I'm like burning all this money. <laughs> Those are the emergencies that you need. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have somehow lost all my home savings, every other piece of backup plan I had. So life is sucks. So I'm just going to buy some kombucha, maybe some bubble tea, maybe some like kombucha bubble tea. <laughs> now we're fancy. <laughs> Uh, in a in a wine glass and just swirl swirl the bubbles around. Oh yeah, um, worth but yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have that set up and uh, yeah, very handy. I don't have to manage it. It's automated. It's really handy uh, on the bank side. And then yeah, I have my. Uh, I used to have a trading account with Wellsimple, uh, but it was just not worth it to have Wellsimple and another brokerage platform to maintain. Uh, I was using Quest Trade and Wellsimple, and Quest Trade has a very high fees, uh, which apparently doesn't matter if you're like an active trader. So if you make enough trade throughout the month or whatever, they refund you back some of the fees or something uh, for like the live market data you're getting or whatever packages you've paid for for the transaction fees. Uh, but they still are enough that with each trade, if you're if you're like a day trader or even a swing trader, if you're not making at least 30 to 40 or $50, uh, you're not getting uh, enough 
to cover the amount of options or expirations or whatever you've paid for. And so then I switched over to interactive brokers um, because they are dirt cheap. They basically, I don't even know. I think when I trade options, I pay maybe up to a dollar or dollar ten. And then if I'm trading stocks, it's like cents. Um, which works out great because if I'm freaking out about some option being expired or something or something not going good, I can just cut my loss and say, okay, sell it when I even hit a $5 profit. And then at the end of the day, I'm still green as opposed to Quest Trade, where I'd be like, okay, cut it when there's a $5 profit and now I'm net $5 on a loss because it's like $10 for trading each option or something. Um, but Quest Trade has an amazing app and all that, blah, blah, blah. If you, if you have the capital and the willpower to sit through that, do it. Uh, I personally find Interactive Broker to be friendly enough and I can do all my charting and stuff on it. Um, I'm also more of a swing trader, so I don't really care about the smaller market fluctuations. I usually just look at week over week. Uh, and then if my plays play out, great. If not, I'm just sitting there holding the bag until the market comes back up. <laughs> uh, but would recommend both of them. Uh, I've also noticed any money I send to as like a bill payment uh, to my interactive brokerage account is usually there within a day, if not two, whereas on Quest Trade, sometimes it took two to three days and then money needed to settle before I could use it. Um, yeah, and that's all margin accounts. And then, yeah, so I'm still currently with Simple and Quest Trade, but what I have is their robo-advisor accounts. Because I wanted to see what kind of returns they both give for a, an exact same account. I have an RSP account in both, and they're both set to highest risk level. And I'm going to put the same amount of money in both and like leave it for 10 years and see uh, what happens, because I think that would be kind of fun to watch. <laughs> and then <laughs> with Interactive Brokers, I have my own uh, TFSA and margin account that I uh, do like long-term investments with. Uh, and those are all really good. You can move money in between them. And then, yeah, and then when there's dividends and stuff that come in, they show up uh, in your normal account. They don't get automatically reinvested because it's a trading account. Do it yourself. Um, but it's nice to know because every couple of months or a couple of quarters, uh, I'll have like a little bit more cash in there and I'll be like, yeah, this is a gift. <laughs> My patience paid off, <laughs> yeah. um, but I can't technically be like, oh, I bought myself a cup of coffee because that would mean taking money out of that account and there's no way in hell I'm doing that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool on that stuff. I wish TD had that thing of like automatic bill payment if the money overflows amount this much or something. But I, what my ritual is, I sit for half an hour every morning on payday and I allocate the money anywhere I need to. Um, and then if I, if it's like, even for like, if I'm like, okay, I need to buy this crypto or this stock and I want to wait for a certain price, I'll send the money at least out of my accounts in those places and let them sit as cash because they're going to sit as cash in my bank account anyways. So at least in those places I can immediately buy, execute on my plans. Uh, so that's, that's my ritual on every payday. I sit there, I calculate how far away is my rent day, how much money I have now, and then how much is my credit card overdue. And then I can pay off all that and then throw away money everywhere else that I need to. 
Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> I have one more thing, man, and it's freaking Google Sheets. Because if you're not using Google Sheets, Doing you're wrong. missing tricks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Google Sheets is like the dashboard that I wanted Mint to be, but it just wasn't. I basically just made it myself. And it's been a work in progress for years. But, and it's not super fancy, but that's the nice thing about Google Sheets. You can get so far with a little bit of manual entry, some basic equations, some sum functions, throw those in there, and uh, it's easy. So what I essentially have is all the stuff I care about. So I've just listed all my accounts and I manually put in once a month on the 30th what the amounts of each account are. I've got split out with like my cash accounts, my investment accounts, and my uh, debt accounts. So like credit card specifically, because I don't have a mortgage or anything. And, uh, and then I just aggregate that all together on a separate sheet that has a overtime net worth tracking. And so it's just month by month. And the cool thing is you can just drag it down, highlight, paste by value. Those are now static. And now you've got that month's entry uh, ready for the next month. So um, I've been doing that. And then some basic little projections where it'll, I put in the amounts I'm contributing each month towards an account and then summarize it at the bottom. So it'll say like, uh, you know, your total contributions monthly. And it's just using dumb stuff like, you know, 52 divided by 12 to get that standardized number. Or if I'm doing weekly contributions, It'll, well, actually, that would be weekly contributions and just average day across the months. So it gives you like a rough idea. Uh, it'll say, you know, monthly you're, you're contributing this much to savings and uh, this much of your uh, net worth is currently in, in debt and this much is in cash. And then it allows me to see generally, like, if I have a minimum amount in my account, I have a, or I have these two columns where it's like a minimum account or a minimum amount and a goal or maximum. And then I'll just set up rules where it's like, if it's over, if it's under the minimum, it turns red. If it's within the range, it turns yellow. And if it's at the, um, uh, so if it's, if it's a minimum and a maximum, if it's between that, then it will be green. But if it's a, uh, if it's over the maximum, it'll turn yellow. And then if it's a goal number, then it'll be green the whole way because I'm like, eh, it's a goal, it's gonna take a long time. But then by completely ignoring compound interest and everything and fluctuations, I can just be like, all right, the amount you're contributing per month based on equals today, because Google Sheets has that function, you can just project out like, this is when you'll approximately hit your, your goal, assuming no changes. So for cash accounts, that's really easy. Cause you're just like, yeah, you're contributing 200 bucks every month and your goal is to have 2000. All right, you'll hit this in December. You're like, all right, cool, nice, thanks, sheet. And it's obviously easy math, but it's something that's just nice to have automatically generated. And it's fun to then tinker with numbers and be like, all right, well, if I do an extra 25 bucks, it gets me there this much sooner, um, this kinds of things. So yeah, it's just like a dashboard. And one of the things I'm going to be doing with that soon is I decided that I want to, for 2022, start looking at uh, using this platform called RC Forward, I believe it's called. And it's a effective altruism 
website. So for the US, the famous one is GiveWell. Um, and effective altruism is essentially like a approach to charitable giving. And so I'm gonna look more into that, make sure that RC Forward is legit and make sure I find some way of knowing what actually happened with my money. <laughs> but assuming that that is all checking out, I would like to use a lot of what I'm already tracking to say, for example, not including rent, I'd like to do like a dollar for dollar match of the amount of money I spend and put that towards charities or something like that. Because I'm at the point in my life where I can do that and I probably should as a result. So looking at that, if it ends up being that I can't do like a 100% match, my plan is to do uh, my contribution each at the end of Q2 each year. That way taxes are very easy to understand because I know it was dead center in the middle of the year. It's not going to be crossing any weird uh, tax lines or anything. So like, yeah, that was for you know 2022. Um, and anyway, point is if the math doesn't work out, then I'll do like a 50% match or something. But it'll be throwing it into cash. It'll sit there. And then when I'm ready to contribute at that time, I can look at it and be like, all right, uh, have I been bleeding cash now as a result? Or can I just dump all this in. So uh, hoping to do that, which should be good. And that'll be another, I guess, software related thing because effective altruism is very like engineers and, uh, you know, utilitarian based where it's like, how can you get the most um, effect with your dollar? And it's pretty much always malaria and deworming, but hey, you know, these th if these are the things that make a difference, I would rather do that. Yeah, damn. That's so, so well thought ahead. Uh, yeah, all I've thought or the way I even track my money is, have you paid your bills? Cool. Uh, invest everything else. Uh, <laughs> there is no, I don't like my Google sheets don't even have like projections or average of however I'm put, I'm putting in it very much is, and that's my ritual. So every time I finish everything, uh, a part of the ritual of first thing I do is I go into the bank accounts, look at things, be like, yeah. I got <laughs> big number. <laughs> yeah. Life feels good. I got paid. Uh, then I go look at all my debt, my credit card. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, uh, I guess I should pay this off. Then I pay it off. And then I look at my account and be like, okay. And then I have like certain thresholds. So because the market's sort of down right now, I've been doing this thing where I'm taking money out of my rainy day savings account to buy some more stonks. Um, so buy the dip, buy the dip, and then it just keeps dipping, and I can't can't, <laughs> can't seem to find it. Uh, but then I'm like, then I may ensure and maintain that my savings account has that six month rent or whatever is like my fall off. Okay, if everything if shit hits the fan, am I covered? Will I be okay? Do I have cash on hand uh, to make sure I sustain life? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I will ensure all that, transfer all the money wherever it needs to go, and then I will update, update my Google Sheets. My Google Sheets is like extremely plain. It has three columns. It has checking, savings, investment. Uh, savings is like, you know, your money that I can transfer money out of uh, if I need to, but it's like my reserved money. Checkings is more loose. And then investment says don't touch it unless you absolutely have to do not. Just just leave it. It's going to grow, hopefully. Um, and then I have all my columns listed out with my bank account, the type of account I have. Uh, and then, then I have a little crypto section at the bottom. 
And shout out to Google because they have a little like currency conversion tool built into Sheets. Uh, and if Google counts that crypto as a real currency, so like a lot of them aren't there, but for like Bitcoin, I can do currency convert BTC to CAD and it'll give me the current price in Canadian dollars. That's very um, cool. Yeah. So I have a column of how many coins I own. And then in the investment column, I just say, take the current price, multiply it by the amount of coins I have today. Um, and yeah, so it's really fun. Uh, makes things easy. Every time I load Google Sheets, I can see if my net value went up or down. And then I don't have to log into my individual brokerages for the crypto prices. Right. Because uh, the amount of coins you own is stable. And exactly. just I see. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I have a little um, thing as a note on the side of what's the average coin price I paid so I at least know how much I invested compared to what I have right now. Uh, and then I have a little diff thing there being like, okay, this is the profit or loss. I should probably add some colors like you have to like show if things are green or red, but all my portfolio is red all the time, so I'm used to it. <laughs> I don't even know what green looks like anymore. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, and then I, yeah, I'll just update my sheets with all those numbers. And then I have a net worth column of this is your total amount that you have. And then I don't have any credit on the sheet because my rule of thumb is basically every time I get paid, pay off your credit card. Um, and that's been working well enough that I don't have to worry about tracking that additionally. Yeah, I pay my credit card on like the first, like the second or third usually uh, mm -hmm. of the month, but I track on the thirtieth. So my new statement has just rolled over at that time. Mm -hmm. But honestly, at this point, it's it's negligible when the numbers were all a lot smaller and like my credit card balance was a lot larger percentage of the total net worth. It was more noticeable. Now I'm like, eh, keep it under this percentage, and you're fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, it gets paid off in full, but I still have it there sort of for legacy reasons and for when I get other things. So like I do have a personal line of credit. I think I have two. Anyway, if I ended up using something from that, that would be longer living than a month. Yeah. Um, or if I ever for some reason decide to have a, uh, like a loan on a car or something, I could throw it in there and the column will at least be long living. But one thing I did forget to mention was that you brought up was cash on hand, tracking that each month. Uh, basically it's a good sign of like how confident am I feeling because <laughs> my cash on hand goes way up in like mid 2020 and then just slowly lowers back down again where I was like, am I keeping my job? And like, okay, I am cool. It goes back down to stable. Um, but yeah, I could, I could talk about this for too long, but I think we got through what I wanted to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very much so like if you go on Reddit, uh, for any listeners still here, uh, there's a lot of like tools when I was trying to find templates, a lot of people have put in a lot of thought on finding really good Google sheet templates, uh, on a lot of these different pre-made formulas. And honestly, Google sheets runs all the formulas behind the scenes, not in your browser for the most part. So really you could just make HTTP calls to your broker and like get all your stock information if you really badly wanted to, for some reason. Uh, and, uh, yeah, would, would recommend looking into that because ever since I started using those functions and the sheet is a lot nicer than me manually editing the numbers and I use it also to then keep track of how much room I have left in my RSP and TFSA. 
because with each time I update one of those columns, I update my total number and then it does the whole magic of, oh, you have this much left now. Um, mm -hmm. And that yeah. is one nice thing I didn't mention about Wealthsimple is like if you have your accounts in one spot, then it'll mm -hmm. let you set up the tracker. And then, for example, when I was looking to fill up my TFSA earlier this year, if I were to accidentally overcommit, it would tell me when I booked that payment and it would say, hey, you're going to go over by 25 bucks. And I'd be like, oh, don't, don't do that. Uh, and I would just lower it. So it's nice if your system knows what's going on. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I listen to a podcast. I'm mentioning it frequently, Massonomics. They literally just talk about fizzy water and the weather in Northeast South Dakota. So I think I could talk about my personal finances for a bit on a podcast if I want to. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. It's not uh, called Do Worse Show. No, it's called Do Better. Speaking yeah. of which, Gian, <laughs> what have you been doing better? Um, so uh, I've maintained my the whole meditation thing. Oh, nice. uh, I have given up on the app at this point because there are days I just sit and breathe and I'm like, I, now I don't want to like go through the pain of tracking it on the app. And the problem with the app is it's not even like I can check a box being like, yeah, I did it today. You have to go through one of their practices or it doesn't acknowledge it. Um, so I'm just, I'm done with that. Uh, I will still use it. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, the app I use is called Balance. Uh, I tried using Headspace for a while too and did not enjoy it as much. I very much love Balance, like would recommend 10 out of 10 over a Headspace. Hmm. Uh, yeah, very, very nice uh, flow of everything, really good explanations. It feels like the meditation is properly guided and explained as things are going. And the guy is like very empathetic so there's the one in there for like like grief or something and i was doing that at one point and he was just like thank you so much for like letting me be a part of this as opposed to headspace where there's like all right channel into your breathing so headspace feels more like an instructor and then balance feels like there's a person there guiding you with you hmm. uh, so huge difference for a meditation app where i don't want to be bossed around i'm not in a classroom uh I can, I need, if I need, if I'm asking for guidance, be nice to me. If not, I can breathe in silence myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do it myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, been, been doing that. That's been uh, really good, hopefully ongoing. Um, the posts are still good. We missed yesterday because Facebook was down and we might actually miss today as well, unless I post something right after this. Um, but yeah, gonna schedule some more uh, posts, uh, getting getting a decent amount of Instagram traffic, some new even natural followers, which is great. Holy Still smokes. can't get into reels, trying trying so hard. Yeah, Just, reels are dumb. Reels are dumb, but they they cover a lot more ground. Oh. Uh, and we need to spread the word of this awesome podcast we're doing. <laughs> uh, need more people to like and hate us. Uh, but yeah, besides Perfectly that, nice. I just haven't done anything. I've been, this week has been like really crazy because one of my friends visited, I went through some really personal, uh, thing that kept me occupied for a few days for my weekend. Um, been playing a lot of Mass Effect, uh, and yeah, I'm just 
just trying to live, man. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of work too, uh, which is, you know, I signed up for it. Uh, it's not taking away my after work hour weekends yet, uh, but hopefully it won't get the chance to. Um, and then what I'm going to continue doing better on is hopefully the meditation goes on. I'm thinking of adding journaling back into my habits. Um, and then I always have this problem where I feel too lazy when I start typing it out. Uh, if I'm like using my phone or computer, uh, I feel more comfortable writing things down. But then I'm like always paranoid that, oh my God, this is pen and paper. Someone can read this. Someone can be really into my head if this notebook was like read by somebody. Um, so yeah, I need to just get over it because no one's coming into my room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guy that's going to not find out about your LastPass password. <laughs> maybe, maybe. My LastPass password will be written in the journal. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. That's not the move. <laughs> Um, the most important thing to me is <laughs> <laughs> my last pass password, which is Hunter Two. Oh, we can beep that out, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll fix it in post. Oh, yeah, fix it in post. Can't have people knowing Hunter Two. Fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nothing, nothing else that I'm doing better on because I am trying to figure out uh, how to spend my free time during the winters because. Weekends are no longer about hiking because it's going to be rainy and cold uh, with no sunlight. So I don't want to spend all of it just playing video games. Right now it's good, but I do want something else more stimulating for my brain and not just distracting. Yeah, we can we can chat about this because I also need to figure out what I'm going to do. Because last winter was not a great one. Uh, there was like that six weeks of just clouds and rain and I was feeling real bad. I have some business ideas. If you know, oh yeah. Do, All do right. better yeah. app empire. Okay. All right. Well, that would be the time to pitch it to me is what I'm yeah. just like <laughs> real sad. Got nothing to do. Uh, Speaking of, of all, you know, business ideas and such, I have been interviewing with all these various companies. Um, it is really satisfying now just being like, not, not the role I'm looking for, for roles that reach out. And it's not even like, uh, mean or anything. I'm just like, nope, that's simply not a role. Whereas there was definitely a, this might be the first period of time where I've been looking for a role not in a rush and also totally willing to just be like, no, I, I don't want to do backend JavaScript. That's not what I'm looking for. Do you have anything else? And if they don't, just be like, all right, that's fine. I'll move, move on to something else. Um, but I've been doing interviewing. Uh, so that's been going well. Not sure what I'm going to do uh, at the end of all of this, but finding out what's out there and we'll uh, just go with the flow, I guess. I, oh, this is a throwback, uh, do, do better, did better combination. There was that period of time where I was saying like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to make plans to do things that I'm willing to do even if the other person bails. Well, I friggin' I did that on the weekend. It wasn't exciting. All I did was go and eat barbecue, but I was very proud of myself. I sat down and I was like, just bought way more food than I deserve to eat and that I really should be eating at one time. And I paid way more for it than I was planning to because it's a meal for two people that uh, is 
they're always surprised when two people finish it. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be all right. I will still eat this this food because I was committed. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast, but I made my first old-fashioned cocktail at home. So I like made my own uh, rich demerara syrup and uh, picked up some bitters and did the whole old-fashioned thing. The only thing I was missing was a big ice cube. Um, so I haven't got that yet. But I did it, and then I made another one last week and drank it while watching some of the AWS developer course. So I got real excited about ECS dynamic routing um, and how the ALB can automatically pick up the ports that you've exposed uh, in your containers. And I was like, dynamic port for or dynamic routing is amazing. This is so cool. And I was just really into it. So yeah, it was a good combination. I, as I mentioned, I split up those, the dopamine producing activities. So I didn't go wake up, caffeine, video games, gym, cold shower, and then depression. I instead was like, okay, first off, we record on Tuesdays and on Wednesday morning, I was like, I'm just sleeping. I didn't go to the gym because we just, I just committed to like boring, boring days, no big dopamine spikes. So I just slept in and I ended up accidentally sleeping till like almost nine o'clock. So I'd slept for like 12 hours. So I was clearly tired and uh, started my day and around like 11 or 12, something like that. I had a cold shower and felt really good. It's like, great. This was a good combination. Lots of sleep and a cold shower. feels good. The next day, uh, gym was closed because they invented a stat holiday. And so I had to go to, to not, I wasn't able to go to that. So then I had two days in a row off. So then I, my first day was on Friday and then I was like super stoked to be there uh, because it'd been two days off. Plus I'd slept a bunch. And on those days that I was off, I had the cold showers, but then on the days that I went to the gym, I didn't. So I listened to super boring podcasts, went to the gym, did my lifting, loved it. And then when I got home, I had a warm shower, which I don't, I don't like very much. My skin always feels dry and crappy. But I need to clean my body still. So it's not like a hot shower. It's just like a lukewarm shower. It's not cold enough to get to the point of all the endorphins, but it's not hot enough that you just feel gross. So anyway, I did that. It basically, I just like made things crappier on days when I do things that I like. <laughs> so it's like, all right, uh, no cold shower on the days that you also go to the gym and vice versa. Uh, also just, you know, didn't play a bunch of music while I was working. Whereas I was doing that for a bit because I find it helps me stay focused. But I was like, no, man, just, just pay attention to work. Just do it. And yeah, just tried to make things more boring. And it worked out. I was feeling a bit more motivated to do stuff. And so going forward. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> folks. We had a bit of an internet dis disconnect there. Networking it's, is so cool. I know. Yeah. It's probably a BGP <laughs> issue again. Oh, man. You just can't trust it. So as I was trying to say, going into next week. I have some things I want to do better. One, a few of them I already mentioned. So looking into effective altruism in Canada, that sort of thing. I'm going to keep trying to stick to my diet, which, oh, I forgot to mention. I had gone from 153 pounds down to 148 pounds. And I was like, this went a lot faster than I was planning on. That's odd. Then I had carbs for like one day. We had pizza in the office yesterday. And I'd been eating lower carbs. And I gained five pounds. I was like, oh, 
So I guess I was just really depleted because like, there's no way I gained five pounds. Like it wasn't like I had five pounds of food in my gut when I weighed myself at the gym the next day. So I was like, it's not just all food weight. So I guess I was just really depleted and which is good. That's a good sign. That means that I didn't like lose a bunch of lean mass or something on the way down. So anyway, it's all good. Uh, just something I thought I'd mention because I was surprised when I stepped on the scale today. I actually make a noise. And if anybody was near me at the gym, they were probably like, what is this guy's deal? Um, but yeah, I'll try to take at least two days off from the gym so I can keep enjoying myself while I'm there and make another homemade cocktail. I'd like to choose something else. Uh, it looks like maybe might be the rusty nail. We'll see. Moscow meal. I could do that. That's I don't have any copper cups, but I could I could figure it out. You have a cash account, and I have a Prime membership. Ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then because I haven't done this for a while, I'm throwing on my do betters, grinding some Rocket League one v ones. I've been doing a lot of grinding 1v1s in Rocket League, and it's been going really well, but I've been putting on my do-betters, and I want to acknowledge my favorite game for a bit. So that's it. Damn. I think you already did all yours, right? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope Bye. you make all that money, save all you, that money. You just automate all that money. Organize all that money. Manage it. Manage it by giving it to us. You could do that if you wanted. Yeah. Do, do we still have a way for people to just randomly send us money? <laughs> uh, maybe. That's what this was all about. It was just a ruse. Yeah. Aut set up, use everything we talked about. Set up automated overflow deposits to the Do Better Club. Yeah. I can give out my in track if that would be helpful. Mm, yeah. Mine's NW Calvac. Unsurprisingly. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>